This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, LSPod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin? Sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a shot! Goal! Mike Hayden is foul! Far post for Shearer. Goal! McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection! And a goal! Comes to Mitchell! It's another goal! Incredible! Hobble! Day, deja vu, call it what you want. It's Dan again. Dan, hello, first of all. Hello. Delighted to be on. Delighted to take a break from endless parenting. The kids Ooh. are in bed. Now it's my time. A long weekend day looking after children. What else can you do other than do a podcast um, talking oh, yes. about Swindon Town? A podcast, Dan, where we, we could have, in theory, just re released last week's with a few <laughs> minor edits and, and had the evening off. Yeah, a few different uh, protagonists, but much of the same football. Pretty in the back two thirds and toothless in the front third. I know I know this is going to get us stick because, you know, we hear, we read, we 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 see comments, don't we? And I must yeah. admit, um despite that, I I almost ducked out of this game, but oh. fandom had its stranglehold on me, but it was the wrong decision, I think. I paid £18.10, Dan, to take the train, but the barriers weren't in use, so it could have been a free trip. So, you know, I didn't roll the dice there. Due to the weather, it took 90 minutes to get to Swindon instead of the usual 40. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but it was cold on Saturday, which which is never yes, a fun way. we had every item of clothing on possible. Yes, indeed. Uh, the game was hardly enthralling. More of that a bit later on. Post-match, the carrier bag uh, that I had for my post-game train food and drinks split on the platform and everything fell out. (laughs) (laughs) Also turns out what I thought was a cheap pack of skips was actually a disappointing bag of prawn crackers. That one's on me, but it really did encapsulate my day. And then finally... I don't want prawn crackers. I wanted skips. And then... (laughs) And then there were train delays getting home, but I did get back for the national anthems and hooray to see England lose to France. A miserable day for decision-making for me, Dan. That was the kicker, wasn't it? Uh, England-France. Uh, ironically, England played well and lost. Um, yeah. Kind of different vibe to that one. But there we go. Football Saturdays, eh? 
You're not going to get a, a much longer one than that, Rich. Yeah, it was a nice bookended game for frustration or day for frustration because uh, I left the county ground quite frustrated. I, I, I can't decide whether it was with myself or with my football club. Um, and then <laughs> the England game sort of was a nice distraction. And then within 15, 20 minutes of that game ended, I was back into being frustrated about my day generally in Swindon Town. But anyway, let's talk about this game or the build up to it because there's a lot to talk about before yes. we even mention a ball getting kicked so in the build-up to this game we, we knew that there were going to be injuries mm-hmm. the the 11 was Bryn in goal Hutton Lavinier Brennan and uh, Blake Tracy at the back four at the back Reed Iandolo going into midfield Darcy Shade and Williams with Wakeling up front let's go through what Scott Lindsay said in his post-match in terms of injuries so Ben Gladwin has a tight hamstring there was no timescales used there but it didn't sound too bad Clayton has a low grade tear in his quad out for six weeks which is not great Khan has concussion they're going through the protocols and they hope he'll be back for next week and Jeffcott has a low grade or low grade ankle damage and they hope that he's back next week but the big one uh, Matthew Baudry, described by Scott Lindsay as a lengthy absence and hoping he'll be around the side um, in fairness, Lindsay seemed quite vague, as he tends to be when talking about injuries, perhaps not aware that Baudry had posted the following on Instagram, not the way I wanted it to end. Unfortunately, this week I have done my ACL. Uh, so that's my season finished. And at this stage of my career, probably more. But at the moment, my focus is on getting better and seeing what happens. So final sentence makes it not definitive, but that doesn't sound like a man who's ever going to play for Swindon again. No, so... um. Excuse my French. It's a shitter, that, for Mathieu. After a long and you know, fairly distinguished lower league career and sort of up and down period where he served Swindon with distinction between injuries. Um, yeah, not the way you'd want to sign off. 28 minutes at Newport behind closed doors. Didn't even get to play against Wilfred Boney. No. Came on in the second half. Um, yeah, real, real shame. Real shame. One of Matthew Baudry's last official acts for Swindon Town was um, sort of winking and having a little chat with my lad at, at Crawley down the front of the barriers um, as he's warming up. So, yeah, a, a popular man, very good man around the squad by the sounds of it. Bit of experience in an otherwise young squad. So, I think um, I think that's a real shame that on this weekend of all weekends we will doff our cap to a Frenchman, a, a man with a bit more class than Kelly and Mbappe, uh, laughing at Harry Kane missing a penalty. But yeah, that's um get well soon, Frenchie. I suppose his thoughts now turn to making sure he's got legs to use for the rest of his life with his kids growing up, which um is the important stuff, really. Indeed. Yeah, good luck to the guy. And we'll see if he's around for the rest of the season or if he's going to take the old early retirement payout and uh, go on his merry way. We will see. It sounds like Lindsay wants him around, uh, but it really does depend if, he's, if he wants to, really, because I guess he can do his rehab privately if he goes through the, the paperwork that sees him retire, because he's not retired yet. Um, but it, it sounds like he will, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, just look at the timings. It's December now. Even a young man with a fast healing body, you're looking at July pre-season, probably for a likely comeback for an ACL, aren't you? With a view to playing in August. So it feels like a massive stretch, yeah. Indeed. Okay, then. So we know about Khan, Gladwin, Jeffcott, Clayton and Baudry being out. We also had on the fringes, I think Massey's out. Divine is injured. Bran, as we know, is injured. 
Um, so in terms of the starting 11, when I was hearing about all these injuries, I don't know what I was expecting in the 11, but when it was announced at 2pm, I was like, well, that's okay. That's fine. And as we'll, as we'll learn later, Scott Lindsay was quite confident that was a team capable of beating AFC Wimbledon. Yeah. Um, well, I think as the match played out, had Swindon have been a bit more potent in the final third, then yes, it was an 11 that could and should have beaten Wimbledon on the day. Um, as we saw, I don't think Wimbledon were great shakes. But yeah, looking down the lineup, I mean, for a couple of weeks now, I've been expecting Angus McDonald to come back in. It's not happened at Crawley. It's not happened today. So I don't know if there's been a little bump in the road. Um, they were very quick to chuck Clayton back in last weekend uh, ahead of McDonald, maybe to Clayton's expense. Um, if that is a six-week injury, that's that's quite a significant blow, actually. We'd only just got him back. Very steady, young player calm and influence at the back so that's that's a real blow a bit more positive on Jeff Cott sounds like hopefully back next week sided Khan hopefully too um so long as he carries on his recovery from concussion divine has there been any indication what the injury is let's hope that's not another long-term one because this is starting to look like maybe a season written off in terms of his professional career and gladders yeah um someone mentioned to me at the ground they'd heard he'd, he'd had glandular fever or something like that but um the official line seems to be hamstring. Either way, get well soon, Ben. Um, you are missed. But yeah, in in terms of the starting lineup, I think my thoughts pre-game were a disappointment that McDonald wasn't in there. But if he's not fully fit, then a necessary evil. I think Agia is very unlucky not to have played recently. He didn't even make the bench at Crawley. Didn't even come on against Wimbledon. It was a bit of a fudge at the back, playing the right-footed uh, Lavinier at left back. Uh, he did. He did adequately. Uh, got quite involved going forward, cutting in on his right. It seemed like a bit of a missed opportunity to maybe play Iron the low at left back and then bring Aguiar into the into the midfield. And or you could have played Iron the low in the front three and left Shade on the bench. I think it's quite a different performance from Shade, unfortunately. The four-three-three decision was based on Jeff Cott's injury, wasn't it? I think. Lindsay said at the end of the game and a lot of people have been calling for the change of formation that was the other thing for me is I was pleased to see a back four Blake Tracy is a very good defender wherever he plays I think longer term as he gets a bit more into his late 20s early 30s I think he could be a good league one league two centre half just very very good leader good talker you can hear him I mean help that the county ground was so quiet you can hear Blake Tracy talking the back four through the game yeah, I don't know. I, I think I would have liked to have seen Agia. I think Agia is very unlucky. Andalo hasn't had a brilliant couple of weeks. So what has Agia got to do to get a game? I don't know. But yeah, pleased with the back four. Pleased we went back to the front three with Williams on the left bit. He definitely brought a bit of improvement to Swindon's work uh, at the top end. But yeah, not quite enough for us to chalk up a goal, unfortunately. 8,430 in attendance, 529 of them away fans, and I'm sure some of that 8,430 were unused season tickets. Are we just putting that down really to the weather and England playing in the evening, or do you think that the last four or five games are a factor behind some deciding not to go at the moment? Well, I think you've got a quadruple threat there. The um, the classic joke about Xmas shopping, STFC form, which post Mansfield has been bad. It's now one goal in five 
no wind. Um, weather, I think there's a lot of people <laughs> were expecting the game to be um, to be frozen off when you see 27 miles at the road at Oxford, iced off. Um, but then also the uh, the England factor. You know, um, not everyone you know who watches Swindon at home is from Swindon. Um, people with a bit of a trip might have taken the decision to just watch this one on iFollow. So, yeah, I, if I was guessing with my experienced county ground head on, I, I would say that was more like a six seven five zero crowd. Even with five hundred of them, it was very sparse in our block in the Don Rogers. Probably I could reel off a dozen people that weren't there who were usually sat around us so um i hope i hope people got their shopping done i hope that people enjoyed the england game and i hope people stayed warm <laughs> yeah good for them <laughs> good if they stayed them. warm and it it wasn't even as cold as i expected maybe because i was layered up it wasn't too bad the pitch looked okay it did or oh, I, I think it was touch and go in in the corner flag by the um by the stratton and uh drs i, I do think that looked like a couple of degrees colder and it, it might have been a bit problematic, but it was fine. Huge effort from the ground staff and volunteers to get to get that game done. And unfortunately, neither side rewarded us with entertainment, did they? But let's deal with some positives at the moment, because this was an improvement from the Crawley game, without doubt. But I, I don't know if that is faint praise. It probably is, but it was better. Uh, from watching it in the warmth of of my living room a week ago and watching it in the cold of the county ground, I, I did see improvement from last week. Yeah, I, I, I would agree there. Um, if you're looking for positives, um, Sol Brin's got his first clean sheet since... Uh, Colchester. Colchester at home. Uh, that was October, wasn't it? So, yep. yeah, you know, a patched up defence with... Um, you know, right back playing out of position at left back. Blake Tracy, you know, filling in at centre half. I, I think we'll give a, a bit of a nod here to Brennan, actually. I think that's a couple of decent games on the trot. He's, um, you know, he's he's slightly, he's going some way to reversing my, my opinion on him a bit. I think there's clearly a bit of potential there. You know, it's a it's a bit of an enforced run in the side, but yeah, he he was steady up against um, handfuls of in Josh Davison, Harry Powell, and then later in the game, uh, the basketball player Carl Hudlin. <laughs> no slam dunks, luckily. He's six nine. I think he's six nine. Yeah, but he looks bigger. I don't know if that's just because he was stood next to Morgan Roberts at various points. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, patched up defence. It's good to get the clean sheet. I think there was the odd scare from Wimbledon. They generally manage the conditions pretty well. I think once the sun went down, so, you know, basically second half, I think the pitch did get a lot more treacherous. Noticeably, you know, more players slipping over, players finding the ball quite difficult to control. And I don't think that helped the flow of the game either because lots of people having to take an extra touch to really steady themselves, get their feet right. Just looking around the pitch, the odd player, Darcy and Williams... You sort of had the like the composure on the ball to still do things at normal speed, but I think generally it didn't help the match. The second half wasn't wasn't great fair. I think first half conditions were less of an issue, but slight element of the sides sort of feeling each other out a little bit. Swindon had a lot of the ball. Wimbledon were happy to sort of sit in the half and watch Swindon knock it side to side and then try and score the perfect goal all over again. It's a frustrating game. Ask anybody who watched the game and the general feedback is the first half was all right and things went a little bit south in the second half despite us having some of our 
best moments um, yeah. in the game. Um, Wimbledon probably had the, the first decent chance, didn't they, when Josh Davison, formerly of this parish, um, he should have scored really, but it, it was it was lucky because it's a good save by Brim, but it was right at him anywhere else and it's it's 1-0, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think Davison acquitted himself quite well. He gave a good reminder of his strengths and weaknesses actually over the match. I think mm. strengths, work rate, the way he can um, possess centre-halves throughout the game in a real physical tussle, the sort of work he does for the, his other forwards wide of him. But we also saw the, um, you know, politely, he's not the best finisher. And uh, luckily, Ooh. he hit that chance um, pretty much straight at Bryn. Smart save to get the ball away, away from the centre of the goal by Bryn. But yeah, I mean, it was a bit irritating, frankly. Um, I still would have taken Davison in the summer in a heartbeat. He's a good line leader. If we're going to play 4-3-3 most of the season, he can do that central striker role. But I appreciate Johnny Jackson going to Wimbledon, who used to know Josh Davison at Charlton. That was probably quite an easy transfer to do. I don't know if Swindon were in for him or not. Yeah, we still need one like that in the squad. That's on the January list, definitely. In terms of Swindon's chances, they were half chances at best or poorly executed. Yeah. Uh, Williams had one that hit the side netting all near enough and Shade blazed one over when there yeah. were better options elsewhere. And, and there were a few moments as well. And it's I, I appreciate that it's all well and good saying, it, you know, three quarters of the way up the Don Rogers. But there were a few moments where you just think to yourself, in a good position, shoot. And Darcy, I think, was... was, It's not like the forward sort of mentality. It was a great forward in the highlights, wasn't there? Um, Which I'm (laughs) sure everyone's heard, and I'm pretty sure I'll put it over it now. And once again... There there were a couple. Darcy, at the start of the season, wasn't shooting on sight, but if he had a sniff, he would give it a go. And I I, I probably got frustrated if if they were kept on going over, but there were a few again. And everyone's sort of eye-rolling at it, but it almost feels like, get it in the box, enter the box. Let's get these box entries. <laughs> you know, it's, it, But there were definitely at least two moments in quick succession in the first half yep, where definitely, yeah. Wim- Wimbledon were open for us to shoot from distance. Not like one of those hopeful chances. There was genuinely a moment where, shoot, just just give it a go. Nobody, Nobody's going to bemoan it. It's cold. We just want to be entertained. So <laughs> give it a go. But they, they didn't do it. Why are they changing that approach? Because they've shot on site before. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, one such example being the home game against Newport, where um, they seem to have a bit of a half, half-time rollick in. They'd identified the Newport keeper was weak. And Darcy must have had four long-range shots all on target within 10 minutes. And it bore fruit as... Jeff got sort of swept in and got the tap in from the the keeper spill. So I don't know why it's changed, Rich. Um, Darcy has an eye for goal, as he's shown. Uh, beautiful goal at Mansfield, for example. Yeah, just don't know. It's just that taking the extra touch, going back onto your weaker foot. It just closed down both of those opportunities for Darcy in the first half on Saturday. Very frustrating because it was a slick, icy day. And any sort of shot that lands before the keeper is going to be going to be a chance, you'd think, wouldn't you? So, I mean, I can't even think Wimbledon had many pop shots either. It's just a real low quality, frustrating affair. What did you say last week about Crawley's goal? You know, it was a hopeful effort, but yeah. they made they made the effort. So at least they had the, the shot. Goal. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. And that and that's that's something that we're just not doing at the moment. And it, it's frustrating. Yeah. Well, I mean, with it being Christmas party season, Swindon need to get out there and buy some tickets for some raffles. <laughs> as long as they're not doing bloody karaoke. Blimey. <laughs> but yeah, let, let's start having some shots, guys. Because we do... The way we approach the game and the way we knock it about, it takes us quite a long time to get up the pitch quite often. And so you can have 30 seconds of possession and then you get to that point where Darcy's got half a yard on his stronger foot. And then when you when you don't take that option and you come back onto your weaker foot and then the chance fizzles out, that's 45 seconds of build-up play and possession wasted, frankly. The one thing I would come back to is in... in um, Lindsay's post-match, talking about Swindon looking like a side who are a bit bruised by the last couple of defeats, a side low on confidence at the moment. And maybe that's part of it, actually, when you are a low, low on confidence side under a, you know, a little bit of pressure from your home crowd. Maybe you don't want to take the shot that sails into the town end roof. Maybe you will take that extra touch. You will take that extra pass. Yeah, it's, it's not really a Darcy trait. Because, like I say, he's got a good shot on him and he, he has shot lots this season. So There was a moment by Darcy where he did some really fancy footwork and weaved mm-hmm. his way around a few players and got a, a hearty round of applause from the Swindon fans, and rightly so. And at that moment, I said, he'll be the man of the match from the sponsors. And he absolutely did get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm pretty sure that was the reason why. This this first half was a quintessential nil-nil, but it could have easily been 2-0 Wimbledon because we had that effort from Davison um, in the, earlier in the half. And then, in fairness to him, a perfect pass to Chislet. Yeah, very good assist, yeah. It, it, was, it was lovely and it deserved more. But for whatever reason, Chislet did the sort of I'm not looking pass into the box, which, you know, if there's three people there, it's great. But there was nobody when he should have just had a go and we got exactly, lucky there yeah. because I can see why he was doing it and I, I guess it was a good assumption to to think but when the person that's in the meant to be in the box is just giving you the ball <laughs> it might be that the centre forward's not there but yes. we, we got away with that and and Williams had a, a shot that went over just outside the box and that was pretty much it but but it was a better half in terms of football wasn't it in, in, in comparison to the second despite despite the, the efforts that we'll talk about in just a moment yeah yeah so yeah, I guess if we'd sat here talking about we scored twice in the second half and we won, there would be very little wrong with that first half, frankly. You know, two sides kind of feeling each other out a little bit of similar standard, just file it under cagey first half. But yeah, when the second half failed to come to life, then um, yeah, somehow we're reflecting on that being the better half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in the second half, uh, Lavinier had a, a chance that curled wide, mm-hmm. didn't look like it was going in, but it was a decent shot. On Marcel Lavinier, how do you think he did? Because that was his first real chance to to impress Swindon fans. He kind of played like somebody who hasn't been playing much recently. He wasn't, he was a bit rusty. It's his first game back here. I, mean, I gather he played against Newport behind closed doors in the week. He did, so at least yeah. he's got some some game time after him. And while we're on that, well done Swindon Town for organising a behind closed doors friendly and actually getting some of our fringe players minutes. The irony being, you know, we did pick up injuries, but actually, if it kind of proves the need for him for me, because if you had more games and these these players were in better match fitness condition, then. Um, yeah, the first time they step out onto the pitch, they wouldn't get injured. So it is, um, it is a catch twenty two. You need to play football to be match fit, 
And, um, you know, that being the first development friendly of the season, I think it's just a, a bit of bad luck, frankly, that it seems to have ended Baudry's career. But, I mean, you can get injured anyway. I w- but I would like to see more development friendlies continuing because um, by the sounds of it, you know, you had the under-18s coming on in in the second half, getting the opportunity to play next to um, your Johnny Williamses. And um, Adeloy got a goal, which, I mean, we didn't see him yesterday, but who knows, that might that might spark something in him. Uh, Morgan Roberts played at Newport, didn't he? And he looked lively when he came on yesterday. So, yeah, I've, I don't, I've seen a few people say, oh, why are we organising friendlies, getting players injured? No, that's the wrong attitude. We need more friendlies so that people are in better condition so that when they come into the first team, they're helpful to the to the team. Don't be put off by an ACL. That's That could happen anywhere, right? On the training ground. Um, if, um, you know, Devine's injured again, you know, it's hard luck. But he probably hasn't kicked a ball in a game since that Plymouth game. Which for a twenty-one-year-old professional football, that's ridiculous, and that is a hill I will die on. By the way, on reserve football, we always say how, in in terms of a manager's record, the football league trophy it doesn't count. But the club are also the first to champion when they bring in a youth player or an under eighteen for these games, which under the Clemolfuni era has been ten players who have who have come from the under eighteens. Mm-hmm. And played, and none of them have played a league game yet. You know, so it, it's important. Dwarzak has come close because he was on the bench, and a couple of them have been on the bench, but none of them have played league minutes, which is what we really want from our from our yeah, players. Yeah. So we we need we need these development games to give the under 18s more chances to play alongside senior players against senior players to give them a gateway into the first team that isn't just you know oh he's playing against crystal palace under 21s you know mm-hmm. it, it, it needs to be more that they've got yeah. it's a key it's a key bridging step yeah and it, it has its worth don't get me wrong i'm not but three minutes against a, a team in the football league trophy gives you your, your debut in senior football but it, it's not the end of the line and i know a couple played in the league cup game this this season but that well we all know your feelings on that game and <laughs> and how they dealt with that so yeah it, we need these development games um as you said there morgan roberts came on and he was lively i've, I've got to get better with morgan roberts because i keep on thinking that we're, we're weaker when he comes on and i think that's just a bit of non-league snobbery on, on my side I've, I've not seen huge amounts of him but that was a decent um, effort from him, and he, and, he, and he took his he took his opportunity reasonably well. Yeah, yeah. Well, on another day, we might be reflecting on him rounding the keeper and slotting it in for one 0 and then winning a penalty at the end. Which you know, I've heard some people I've heard some people saying Stonewall, and I've got a bit of a view as well. So <laughs> yeah, we'll come to that. Yeah. The only thing that really frustrates no, there's lots of things that frustrated me about this game, really. But Zanev, Zanev is a really good goalkeeper. He's kept multiple clean sheets over the last month or so. But he was rattled and not it wasn't going his way for a few moments uh, for about 10 minutes. His kicking was poor. Yeah. His decision-making was poor. And we didn't exploit that enough. And then then he did a really good save from Shade. Yeah, that was a that was a cracking, cracking save. He's He's got his team the point there. Yeah, exactly. And that woke him up a little bit, Zanev, I thought. But there was like a 10-minute spell where I thought, we need to get at this goalkeeper. And we just didn't. And and then that annoyed me. 
Well, again, I've come back to the old adage, like, take some shots. And then you introduce the possibility that a rattled goalkeeper parries one straight out to um, Jacob Wakelin or, you know, dives over one, you know, slices one into his own net, whatever. Like, you've got to buy got to buy those raffle tickets to what we were saying earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have a sneaky feeling what this episode title will be. Rashan Hepper Murphy came on. Good to see him back. Instantly lively, and then sort of slowed down. Um, but it was it was good to see him darting about five foot eight inches. But he rose higher than a very tall Wimbledon side yes. to get to have a header go over. That shouldn't have even been a quarter chance. That header. I think every time we see him, we're going to use the word lively. I think that's just that's just him all over. Quick little fleet footed steps. Everything he does is at a million miles an hour. It's um it's a good contrast actually to the rest of the playing squad. Shade has pace, but it kind of takes him five strides to get there. Um, whereas Hepburn Murphy, yeah, you'd fancy him to be able to run over the hot coals. It'll be an absolute doddle. Wimbledon didn't pose much of a threat in this second half. I don't know if it was just it was just one of those days. They were happy with the draw. They're keeping a a very impressive run going, but it, it did as the game progressed and, and reached its climax, it, it did feel like if anyone was going to win the game, it was going to be Swindon. But again, faint praise because it wasn't an enjoyable watch. It was very dull. But the reality is there, there were chances. And as you as you mentioned there, Roberts tried to round the keeper, um, but he overhit. Whether it was a cross or a shot, I don't know. But It was wild, whatever it was. Yeah, it, it, it was wild. And yeah. On that one, I think... The Saka finish against Senegal, albeit it was on Robert's weaker foot, um, that kind of early dink was probably on reflection what Roberts needed in that situation. Um, because it was so slick and footing was difficult, to go round the keeper that way on your wrong foot, as it proved, was um, a bit of a step too far. But uh, actually, we should look at that. You know, It was a super, super... A uh, little run and free ball from Williams. Um, that's what he brings compared to his um, club mates. That just little bit of quality, even when conditions are difficult, you know, to still put it on a plate for one of your forwards. Um, and yeah, you know, fair play, Roberts. It was a good run. He was playing on the shoulder. He was actually playing way more through the middle than we've seen him in other games um, after Shade uh, went off. So yeah, this um, I think Roberts. You know, and the chances he's getting is showing that he's adapting to professional football. Wow. Great to have Hepburn Murphy back. Um, you know, a cold Saturday up in Barrow is going to be his next test of the uh, cheese string, hamstrings. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I really hope the temptation isn't to do too much too soon. Let's just, you know, 20 minutes at Barrow, maybe 60 minutes in a development friendly somewhere. Half hour then, and just build it up because, um, as you've seen, it is tantalizingly exciting um, when he's on the pitch. So, yeah, let's hope twenty twenty three is uh, is going to be his year where he really cements, you know, a spot back in in the football league, and he's not not just drifting like he was pre Swindon. Yeah. Okay. Well, the big moment of the game really happened right at the end and when I was looking at people's comments when prepping this and then listening to 
Lindsay's post-match, it was such a crucial moment. I forgot it even happened. Um, <laughs> about a minute into injury time, uh, Roberts went to ground in the box and no penalty was given. Sort of decision that Sam Allison, the referee, former Chippenham player, throughout the pitch, he was he was waving play on with these sort of tackles. Um, we'll talk about Lindsay's post-match in just a moment. But at the time, I thought it was soft. I've looked at it multiple times. I can, I've can. seen them given. I've seen them not, including this weekend. I cannot say that Swindon deserved it. But if a penalty is a penalty, then it should be given. Ah, I don't know, Dan. I, I At the time, I, I didn't feel the rage. And the, nobody around me, you know, when these sort of incident, incidents happen at games, then for the next four minutes, the crowd are rattled and they're, mm-hmm. they're shouting at the referee, they're bemoaning everything. There was a, ah, penalty! Ah, and then it just and then it just fizzed out. Um, what did you think? Live, I was eighty yards away. Um, I was appealing like any home fan would. Um, you should, you're desperate for that, that sneaky little one nil. I'm watching the replay. It really depends how you interpret it because I think at the moment Morgan Roberts kind of runs into the defender's leg which the referee has interpreted as Roberts fouling the defender. I think if he was just another half a yard on, like closer to the goal, I think he could legitimately claim he was goal side of the defender. And I think it would have been an infringement by the defender. I think as it is, because Roberts was slightly behind the defender, I can kind of actually understand why the referee, I think maybe giving them a free kick was a bit of a stretch, but... um. I can kind of understand how he's not giving it, but yeah, it's probably that was that would have been our route to the uh, to the jammy one nil, other than the uh, the very good shade chance. Um, the referee in general, though, someone sat near me, um, H the duck on Twitter, um, long time contributor to the comment section. He said about. Sam Allison being Malksham born, and I know he'd played for Chippenham in his non-league career. So, but every time I've seen him referee Swindon, there's absolutely zero bias. Like, shouldn't the Wiltshire ref be giving us stuff? Like, where, where's, where's our bias? If anything, he's been terrible for us. Isn't it usually based on who they support, not necessarily? Because wow. I remember we. We've had we've had fans complain before when a when a referee from Salisbury or well, Salisbury is glorified Hampshire really yeah. if, in comparison to South Swindon. But, yeah, I, I think he was a replacement for I think somebody else was supposed to officiate the game. So I, I imagine he was the most local or available because um, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure if you were to go on the EFL appointments, he wasn't lined up to to officiate this game. Should be but... on the back of my lad's programme, shouldn't it? I'll have a look later. But yeah, anyway, he um he frustrated. He really did. A couple of incidents in the first half where if it's like twenty two minutes in, Iandolo was running through, got completely blocked off, um, defender nowhere near the ball, and that would have been a free kick on the edge of the box for Reedy to um to test. That that wasn't given and then AFC Wimbledon broke away at forward, which you know Highly frustrating. And then about seven, eight minutes later, Lavinia sort of darting in from the left-hand side on his right foot. Similar foul, blocked off, not given, play on. Yeah. And yeah, there, there was definitely shades of the um, 
the French Brazilian referee from the England game last night. Mm, yeah. yeah, keep on talking about this World Cup. It's over, Dan. <laughs> it's over. It doesn't, no. doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> okay, then. So that that's full time. Nil nil. Um, audible booze at the final whistle. It was nice that we made some noise. Yeah, it wasn't for the penalty shot. And I knew that was always going to be the atmosphere at this game. You know, Christmas jumpers or or no Christmas jumpers, it was going to be cold, quiet and um, judge, (laughs) judgy. Um, And and there were were very, across the, it wasn't just one stands. I heard plenty of booing, not the worst booing you'll ever see. Probably, you know, if it was out of 10, you're talking about three or four. In, in the anger stakes and a few fans tried to uh, applaud the town town players in retaliation to that. Um, and it, it, it was a bit, you know, evil, evil was a bit sad to see really. But I mean, when we, when we talk about the opposition, Wimbledon went eight games unbeaten this weekend, and that was their fifth league two game in a row without conceding a goal. And that is something that we have to acknowledge, although it's frustrating that we didn't, frustrate them but I can guarantee based on previous performances that that was probably an off day for Wimbledon too I'm I'm frustrated that we didn't push them harder if I'm honest I I really am it felt like a bit like they kind of surrendered at the point they brought Hoodlin on because as soon as he came on a bit like when Peter Crouch used to play for England it just almost sucks your defenders into playing long balls just by virtue of him being on the pitch I think Wimbledon were actually less effective with him on the park. Um, yeah, they got a couple of nice little players. Chisler looks like a tricky little player. They got the highly rated one as well. Is it a Sal? Seems to be turning a few heads. They look like good little technical players, but in general play, yeah, they're quite a stodgy side. But by, by the look oh, of that, Harry Pell's Melfi, isn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, did you see the way they celebrated? The penalty not getting given as well. That was bizarre. Who was that? Very funny. What? I don't know, but Harry Pell, tall number eight, he was uh he was whinging at his own players. Yeah, he was he was whinging. He was I think he last time I remember, you know, acknowledging the existence of Harry Pell, it's when our very own McGrill was appointed and he said what a great appointment it was for Swindon. Well, you know, shows what he knows, doesn't it? <laughs> but but yeah, there, there we go. It was it was it was what it was. S quad S, nil, nil, draw. We didn't okay, lose. We didn't lose. And it was a point, and it did feel like a bit of a loss post-game, but it wasn't. Let's, let's see what Lindsay said post-match. So Scott Lindsay, after the game, said, as Dan has already alluded to, we look like a team that have lost the last two. I think we look a bit bruised, a little low in confidence to go and win the game. Despite the injury, Scott Lindsay felt that he put out a team that was capable of beating Wimbledon. Not a lot of clear-cut chances or shots on target, which they're working to improve, even though he said, like, you know, it doesn't matter about shots on goal, things like that. Uh, Robertson, Hepburn, Murphy were complimented for bringing a bit more spark. And then he obsessed over the penalty decision at the end. Um, He went all in on that. I don't want to get in trouble, but the referee was this, that and the other. <laughs> and and then and everything just went, regardless of what he was talking about, it just kept on going to that penalty, which papers the cracks of what was another slack performance. Um, not the fact that if we would have got it and won it, papered the cracks. The fact that it was an easy thing for him to keep referencing because nothing else really happened of note. So the referee is the reason why we, isn't the reason why we drew that game or, or didn't win really, is it? Uh, not in a vital way. It was a frustrating refereeing performance. Um, 
you know, I'm sure half our listeners probably think it's a penalty and, and half, you know, probably a bit similar to me. I think it, you know, not quite. Um, and, the, and the middle ground that don't care. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. But um, I guess when you're a manager, you're on a bad run, you just, you know, limp to a nil-nil at home, then, um, yeah, maybe it's, it's better to focus in on some sense of injustice. Do you, do you find those lack of confidence comments a bit worrying well they keep on saying impressors will find out what a great bunch of lads they are and you'll see the content about how they're happy and smiling and they don't look like people um, that are impacted the fact that he's only highlighting two games where the reality is it's five yeah that is a bit misleading too that he i think he said something we can't let two defeats disrupt the season we need to pick ourselves up i know the the two defeats but in reality it's five games that are impacting our season the fa cup one included yeah. um as we'll hear in a moment but the the anti-scott Lindsay sentiment continues to simmer you can't use social media as you know, the measuring stick of this because there were both sides of the debate, I think, have valid arguments. But truly, if they were to change it right now, would it would it solve all the issues that people have? I'm not so sure. I'm not going to, you know, I, w- I won't die on the hill for, for most managers, but I, I just don't see League Two football as this this world where something changes instantly. If they If they... If he's got to go, they have to have someone lined up and ready. And they, they have to be super, super sure. But it it puts so many question marks on so many things if you if you let Scott Lindsay go because it questions multiple people at the club. And if Scott Lindsay goes, does that not mean a few others have to go too? So, I mean, where do you, I don't want you to necessarily say, I want him in or I want him hmm. out. But you, you cannot ignore that the anti-Scott Lindsay sentiment it's getting louder. Um, well, I think it is getting louder. I think even when we were winning, there were still rumblings about um, style of possession of football and it not being the most enjoyable fare, but at least we were winning. The thing I would come back to, playing devil's advocate, we are eighth. We are in touch with the playoff picture and January is around the corner. If Lindsay's appointment in the summer was one that I had endorsed and been happy with, then I think I would be inclined to say, you know, give it time. Football, there's too much change. It's too transient. It was a rebuilding summer. Give it time. Give it Jan. But actually, when I revisit my thoughts in the summer, you know, and I've said it on this pod recently, it felt like a punt. It was giving someone their first job in pro football. Great bloke, inexperienced manager. <sighs> I don't know. That I think that's always going to trim a month off <laughs> because because of, of my thoughts on the appointment. Um, I'm with you, though. I think if you're going to do it, you you absolutely need to have the, that, that next man lined up and it needs to be um, someone that's going to either excite through their pedigree in the under-23 academy uh, arena or a bit of a name who's, who's going to you know get people excited just because it's a bit of a name or they've, they've done mm. a good job previously somehow. So if you're going to do it, do it before Jan so that that new manager has time to have a quick look at the squad and then work with your director of, or what's he called? Technical director, Sandra Di Michele. Because I'm sure Di Michele is going to get another, another window. I, I think any thoughts of him being bombed off a premature 
Yeah. Where, where's your head at, Rich? Let's put the question to you. You're a considered man. I think we're too close to the playoffs at the moment for it to be a fair you know, dismissal or, you know, or justified one, but that can change very quickly. And four games without a win, um, four games where we scored only one goal, that's not a good look regardless. And we've seen how football reacts and he won't be far off. If You know, when I think about what would other clubs do in this situation, I don't think we're far off the trigger being pulled, but I, I just don't think it's the miracle cure necessarily. They've just, I, I, it feels like they botched that summer, regardless of Scott Lindsay's appointment. It felt like they, they, they took too long and then they didn't get their number one target. And a lot of people, a lot of fans will be saying this is exactly how it was always going to go. But you look at the table and as I said last week, outsiders will be saying, well, what's the big problem? But there are issues and there are things within the current regime that in terms of coach, in terms of formation, in terms of the way we're doing stuff that need to improve or he's done. Um, And that's regardless of what we know of his experience. You know, we've had experienced coaches and managers leave for these sort of runs. And um, we'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> really, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not foaming at the mouth saying he has to go. No, no. I'm. I'm, I'm with you. Not foaming at the mouth. I mean, I, I do have some sympathy in the sense that you know the model we employ to recruit players and the dawdling in the summer where it looked like Lindsay was going to Chowton, then he didn't, and then all of a sudden he was on the one target all along. You know, that's that's not necessarily Lindsay's fault. <laughs> and the players recruited. You know, I'm sure those decisions are mostly being taken above above Lindsay, with it, Lindsay having some sort of sign-off. Um, but what we can judge Lindsay on is what he's done in 21 league games and three cup competitions. And for a club of our stature in this tier, with the last five results being what they are, I can understand why people are wanting change. You're right, though. It's, it's rarely... The miracle cure. There are cases, you know, there are always exceptions to the rule. I mean, you could sack Lindsay now. You could take a week or two to get the new man in. That new man then gets, you know, some good business in January and looks like an absolute, absolute genius. Um, what you'll never see is the counter, counterfactual of, you know, what would Lindsay have done with those, those, you know, better players from January onwards. So, yeah, Sam, it's a tricky one. What what are you seeing in the comments post match um, on Twitter? Is what, where would you say the the ratio is? Those who contribute to this podcast aren't saying Lindsay out. You know, a couple are. Um, a lot are more are, are saying it's the same old, same old. Um, if you go through the the Swindon Town timelines, of course you're seeing Lindsay out and he's got to go, but not really within the feedback that that we're requesting. Let's let's go through some of yeah, those. Uh, Matt says two points out of 12, three of which were home games, one goal in those games, one shot on target in the last two games. Add Stockport into that. And where are we heading? Starting to get a bit more than slightly worrying. Positive was the defence. They were up against the land of the Giants and they did well. Warranty man saying asking Wakeling to play in the middle on his own is criminal. Not got the size or experience to hold the ball up. 
Midfield don't run past strikers into the box. Only Williams looks likely to score or create. Shade looks disinterested. Hutton shut out of the game. All equate to no threat. Uh, one goal in five. Hashtag bore. And Doug saying another frustrating one. I thought Swindon were average at best. Really frustrating that no one seems brave enough to try a shot on goal. I couldn't care less about the number of box entrances if it doesn't ever result in a flipping chance. So we'll start with those three. Any any thoughts on those? Well, pretty fair, I'd say. The interesting one there for me is the, the bore comment. Because, you know, we referenced that earlier on this pod. Um, even when we were winning, it wasn't edge of your seat stuff. Um, and people will tolerate that if you're winning. Um, when the trend of results is as it is over the last five games, then um, people are going to beat you with that stick. And you might say rightly. Some more positive stuff here. Jeremy says, decent performance by a makeshift team. We deserved a win against one of League Two's informed teams. However, we need better quality and decision-making in the final third as we don't create enough chances. Clear penalty, not given late on. Paul Merriman says, by far the better team, a familiar story. We pressed well and controlled the game. It's just that cutting edge in the final third. That's our undoing. Our shape looks good. Our defence looks good. Just that magic spark missing. And Martin says, we played good football today and Reed seems to be improving. Don't understand why we aren't creating more chances or why the quality of our shooting seems so poor. So there is an acknowledgement that, you know, we, we do control large parts of the game, which again makes it so frustrating that we don't win these games. Absolutely. Um, the only difference, I suppose, between this and Crawley was that we didn't concede twice. You know, at Crawley, we created lots of good moments, opportunities, and also didn't score there. So, yeah, I mean, what, no matter what you've got to do to fix it, and maybe... Gladwin coming back in, Jeff got coming back in, McDonald coming back in, Khan coming back in. Four properly experienced league footballers. Maybe that would have tipped it in our favour. Because if you're talking about low on confidence, if you're talking about being a bit bruised, you want experience, you want people who've been there before. And those four I've just named, who are all a realistic chance of coming back in next week, um, will make a big difference. Exactly. Uh, Matt S says, cold and boring. We never look like scoring as usual. Somehow we get ourselves into promising positions and pass our way back out of them time and time again. Paul D says, another cracking afternoon's entertainment at the home of football. Given the absentees and makeshift back line, a clean sheet against an informed side not to be sniffed at. But in terms of attacking threat, it was more honey bunch than honey badger. And <laughs> Bernie Man says, better than the low bar set in recent weeks, but the lack of entertainment and quality, the toothlessness and just general mehness of our play at the moment is verging on the Malpass era. Not quite there yet, but heading quickly in that direction. Just boring football. I will move on to Mark, who says, decent performance against gritty opposition, improvement on the last two games, but lack of flair up front is the issue. Shade and Iandolo poor. Subs improved us, and Hepburn Murphy could be a big player for us if he stays fit. Forward acquisitions in January a must, and Rob D saying, we were broadly the better team in general play, <laughs> but look as cutting edge and dangerous as an Ed Sheeran album. We are <laughs> a team almost entirely without attacking threat. So there are big hints and big rumours at the moment, aren't there, Dan, that we could find ourselves enjoying a big marquee signing and Charlie Austin coming home is the noise from, from the excited 
people that that I think sometimes know more than they lead on. If if Charlie Austin was to emerge or any sort of veteran forward, does does it fix everything? Well, I think if it was a veteran forward, you'd kind of say, okay, so pragmatic signing doesn't fit the model, but hopefully they'll, you know, help lead by example for quite a young front line. Um, if it's Charlie Austin, it's a completely different conversation because straight away that goes from thinking with your head to thinking with your heart. Yeah, it's a Hail Mary, isn't it? It's a Hail Mary of a sudden, and I would absolutely love it to happen, regardless of if it fits a model or not. I mean, I thought his podcast with you, Rich, was excellent, actually, and you could see and hear, you know, just the detail with which he was able to recount his time at Swindon. I don't know if he's a bit of a stato anyway, or, you know... It seemed like a real genuine affinity with with Swindon Town. It felt like an element of unfinished business and that one day he would come back. So let's hope and pray it's now. Um, You've probably got, what, 18 months of good football left in him at this stage of his career, perhaps. Um, Asking him to come and play in the fourth tier and do a kind of experienced striker job where, I don't know, he might play. 60 or 70 minutes every week might start the Tuesday night games on the bench just to just to look after himself but it would just be tremendous he played this weekend so I don't know what the ins and outs of it are but there there are strong rumors that he will return earlier than expected so we'll see I mean it's, it's a conversation we'll have an episode dedicated to it if he comes back because it's it would be huge news regardless to whether he played for Swindon previously or not. That that would be a massive coup. We're entertaining it um, in this episode. We'll see I what happens. It. Yeah, of course. Come we on, do. Charlie. Of course we do. Finally, Jimmy Legg says uh, we bravely held a poor Wimbledon to a nil-nil board draw. Ref chose chaos all game. Consistent <laughs> with it though. Uh, one benefit of Lindsay Ball running ragged over this team is dwindling crowds and injury time evacuation meant. I got out of Tesco car park super quickly today. Every cloud, every cloud indeed. We'll finish with the listeners' man of match and our man of that match. It was comprehensively Fraser Blake Tracy, which is funny. We barely mentioned him as we tend to, um, but it's very hard to disagree uh, with this one. Captain material is our Fraser. I hope we sign him. Although that um, cup tying by Burton still feels slightly ominous to me. Um, yeah, uh, solid uh, up against uh, a tricky physical forward in Josh Davison. Um, it wasn't without fault. You know, it, he dragged Davison down on the edge of the box and got booked. Um, it was Blake Tracy that was turned for Davison's big chance in the first half. But I think what he adds to the, the back line when you've got a lot missing is leadership, voice, um, brilliant in the air. And I really, really hope we sign him. He was a you know, deserving man of the match. I think in terms of honourable mentions I thought Das um was really busy it's just a shame he didn't didn't pull the trigger some lovely bits of skill in uh, the center of the pitch I thought Williams on his return you know if he could if he could hit the target um he might have been in that man of the match conversation but you see the quality from Johnny uh, in a half where lots of people struggled to control the ball and were taking extra touches he still looked like he was playing a normal game of football the through ball for Roberts was very good. So, yeah, I'll probably I'll, I'll give you Williams and Darcy in silver and bronze from uh, Blake Tracy with the gold. And you never know, like, you know, for one bit of bad news, 
the freed up wages if Baldry left early might help us secure Blake Tracy. You never know. You never know. I, I think ultimately a lot will come down to what Blake Tracy wants. Uh, Burton have had a change of manager. They probably like how he's played at Swindon. They're struggling at the bottom of League One. At the end of the day, it's in their gift. It's their player. He's under contract. If they want him back, he'll go back. But if Blake Tracy and his agent are saying, well, actually, we'd really like to get this window thing done. Let's get it done early so you can go and sign another left back. But um, I'm sure that will hold a lot of sway as well. So, yeah, I mean, we 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 quite like a saga, don't we? A January saga. Um, no sagas, please. No sagas. They say there's there's never a dull moment supporting Swindon Town. I kind of think we're in it at the moment. But uh... <laughs> apathy is a lot worse than anger. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. The obviously like, the highs of doing well. I'd rather be on here raging that we're doing terribly, or I'd rather be on here absolutely delirious that we're you know in the top three and, and going great guns. I think middling is not something we're that great at as a fan base. Actually, apathy. <laughs> And dwindling crowds is um, a cancer for football clubs. It really is. Indeed. Well, there we go. What a way to end it. Well, next up, Barrow away. It didn't go well last year, but hey, you never know. Until then, again, Dan, thank you very much. Cheers, Rich. Cheers, all. The Lone Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork was designed by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Has a bubble. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.